Hey, Jenny, what's up? This is Brent from Bruising Biceps. I'm just calling you to tell you we love what you're doing. You are doing an awesome job. Keep it up. It looks like you're having a ton of fun. You're affecting a lot of people in a positive way, and that's what we're trying to do as well. It's all about delicious beer, doing crazy things, meeting new people. It's just a great life right now. So if you want to follow Bruising Biceps, you know, go on to our YouTube channel. Follow us there. You can also follow us on Instagram at Bruising Biceps. My personal page is B underscore Ludlow 75. You can follow me on that and see everything that I do. A lot of it is hashtag my life because my life is crazy. I try to do fun stuff, do exciting things all the time. So Bruising Biceps is all about the beer community, meeting new people, exploring, doing some just fun things, and that's what life is all about. So, Jenny, keep doing what you do, girl. You're doing some great things. We'll continue to follow you, support you, and just take it easy. Peace out. Hey, Jenny, what's so great about beer? Beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to Beer Talk Radio, the only craft beer podcast in the business section. I am your host, Jenny the Greek, the queen of beers, la reina de cerveza, the Khaleesi of craft, the Bourdain of brews, the Cardi B of ABV, pourer of pilsners and lover of local dives. Make sure to visit the Beer Talk Radio website at www.beertalkradio.net. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please send me an email, jenny at beertalkradio.net. And if you're a fan, you can be on the show as well. Just click the link in my show notes, leave me a voicemail, and I'll put you on the following episode. Let's drink. For today's episode, I have Mr. Dennis Guy, or is it Dennis Guy? No, it's Guy. Guy. I didn't know if it, I didn't know if, (laughs) hey Guy, I didn't know if it was pronounced the French way. We have, we are not that cool. (laughs) (laughs) You're all American. Um, Mr. Dennis Guy of the First Sip Brew Box, which is a craft beer monthly box subscription that does not ship beer. They are also a husband and wife power couple team and are both of you veterans or i i'm a veteran um she's a veteran from dealing with my stuff so, uh, <laughs> close she kind of rounds up <laughs> well it seems okay so she has ptsd by proxy i come from a yes. military family i understand and thank you dennis for your service i'm an air force brat i i love our vets so thank you so much this is important that we share your message and that we get people behind you the same way that you got behind every american that you served for so thank you absolutely you are more than welcome okay dennis so there's so much to talk about here but could we just start with when did you first have the idea to come up with this box? 
Absolutely. So it would be around 2015-ish. Uh, we, the wife and I were on a road trip down to the Smoky Mountains, North Carolina. And, you know, we were going to some of our first craft breweries down there, which was really cool. We loved the atmosphere. It was like a social mountain house. People were getting off of work. Kids were playing games. There were, you know, a couple dogs running around. I was like, this is really cool. How about we start something like this, you know, not, not being brewers, not knowing anything but some business acumen. Uh, so we were like, okay, yeah, we can do that. So we get back uh, home up to uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we start doing a lot of market research. And then we realize, oh, it's going to be about $250,000 to $500,000 to start a brewery. And it was important to us to not you know, answer to a board. We wanted to own our own company, uh, do things for ourselves. So then we, and then we saw how saturated the market was getting. I mean, just in Western Pennsylvania, we have about 70 different breweries. And back then they were popping up all over Pittsburgh. So then we decided, okay, let's pivot a little bit. It just became legal in our state to ship beer. Legislation's on our side. We can do this. And we went down that route. It was about four or five months of talking to Pennsylvania's uh, legal counsel for their liquor control board because we still live in Mayflower times over here. <laughs> uh, so working with them, they're like, Dennis, you're right, it is legal, but no one's trying to do what you're trying to do. So to be safe, how about you buy a restaurant or a warehouse or a beer distributor and we'll work with you and attach a license to it. I'm like, great, right back at that $500,000 price point that we were at before. Uh, so we could have used that as an excuse not to get started, but we pivoted one last time to the model that we have today where we feature unique breweries and the story of that brewery through their branding, merchandise, swag that they have, and then one differentiator that we have that no one else in the country is doing. We connect the breweries to small mom and pop shops and we work on collaborative projects to make unique things out of beer. Beer jelly, hot sauces, candles, tea out of beer, coffee with malts and hops. It could be anything. We put it all together and we send it out to five different countries. We have subscribers in the US, Canada, Ireland, Brazil, and now New Zealand, which is super cool. We love it. People love American uh, brewery memorabilia. Uh, so that's kind of how we got started. Uh, and that's what leads us till today. I was going to save this question for later, but since you brought it up, not to speak disparagingly of your idea, but when I first looked at your website, I was like, okay, whatever. This guy's selling pint glasses and coasters and koozies. That's the same kind of swag I can go to any tap takeover. In, well, I'm in, I'm in Northern California. So mm. when you talk about saturation of oh, microbreweries, yeah, it's, insane. it's insane out here too. But I can get that stuff. I mean, I just, I have like koozies and coasters all over my room. I need to like throw them away or recycle them. <laughs> I have so many. But what really got me interested in you as a chef were some of the actual products that you have. When I saw that you had beer jelly, my jaw dropped. <laughs> can you, okay, so I saw like an, an IPA jelly, a stout yep. jelly, a Hefeweizen jelly. I would love to taste those items, but could you give me a review of those jellies? Absolutely. I can actually send you some recipe cards and different things like that to you know like what, what is already tried and true, what they use them for. Um, but they're definitely super good. We also have a blueberry bourbon. Like there's so, oh. so much, <laughs> so much out there. Let me, I mean, another 
other cool items that you have in the box the hot sauce now i i I can't i'm not quite i love hot sauce but i'm not quite as impressed with that because i believe stone makes they make like an ipa mustard or something like that yeah they do a few things i've seen i've seen beer infused mustards and beer infused barbecue sauces they're cool i love the hot sauce idea that's new to me but the beer soap Right. What is that about? Yeah, so beer has been around for a very long time. Uh, at one point in history, you couldn't trust the water sources, so they were doing creative things mm-hmm. with beer, and making soap is one of them. So there is actual historic. This isn't just some hipster trendy thing. There is a historical. <laughs> there's history behind making beer soap. Absolutely. So there's a history there and beer actually has a richer history. It kind of gets overlooked when compared to doing different tastings and pairings like wine does. Beer, if you think about it, monks have been making beer for a very long time. And what else did monks make? Cheese. So beer and cheese pairings actually go more hand in hand than wine and cheese pairings do. So beer, there's so much history out there with beer that people just don't know about. Oh, that's amazing. So this is part of the experience is also the history lesson that your boxes give. Okay, I got to ask you about this. Beer dog treats? It is. So it was really cool. So what we figured out uh, were some humans like their pets more than other humans. (laughs) So we're like, we have to have something for them. So we partnered with small mom and pop shops all over the country that make uh, spent grain treats for dogs from their local brewery, Spent Grain. So after you brew beer, you got tons of nutritious power food left over. Let's repurpose that. And we're the only uh, business in the country where you can get six or seven different unique things from small businesses for your, for your dog all in one brew box. So we have a pet brew box too. I mean, this is just an idea maybe down the line, but you got to partner up with Petco or what's, what's the one online that has the upscale dog stuff? What is it called? Blue? No, meek? I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll think of it later. Okay. But I see commercials for it all the time. Okay. This is so much big. This is so much bigger than just craft beer enthusiasm. This, right. Like, there's something for everybody in here. Right. And, and one more thing. I love the idea of the IPA seasoning. It, it, it's a dry seasoning. Right. So it's, it's not just a, a sauce. It's an actual dry seasoning that you right. can sprinkle on on your food. I think that's really cool. Super tasty. We actually have a beer popcorn seasoning too. Oh my God. (laughs) There's just so much you can do with it. (laughs) Now this is one that I have not heard of. Beer candy? Yes, absolutely. So you can, like I was saying before, you put beer in anything. um, We actually found a new small business where he legitimately takes like four or five different types of hops like four or five different pieces of candy. And I swear, it just blew my mind. It was a marrying of sweet and that hoppy resinous flavor that I just love so much. It was crazy. There's so much. And it's cool running this business too, because we find out about these small businesses. And we're like, send us samples. We want to figure this out. We want to know how we can work with you guys. That's amazing. Well, I, I'm excited to subscribe real soon. And um, I think I love these products. I'm excited to get a box for myself. But getting back to the business side of this. So you realize that in order to do anything kind of cool with beer in your state or in your county, 
you were going to have to come up with a half a million dollars to do something. Yes. But then you went in another direction. And what was that aha moment? Like, when did the subscription box idea, were you watching like fresh, fresh food? What are those food ones? Whatever those food ones are. Oh, like HelloFresh. HelloFresh and Blue Like, were you watching that on TV and you said, I could do the same thing? Like, why, how did it go from this collaborative idea to saying, okay, we need to do this as a shipping present or a shipping gift experience? Right. So that's a good question. Um, So at the time, I actually subscribed to a subscription box that sent me really crazy, unique things every month. I was paying maybe $60, $70 a month. And I really enjoyed like being surprised getting a Himalayan salt block to cook with or, you know, a new um, chef like utensils to use in the kitchen. And not that I used everything, uh, but it definitely... I, so I already knew of that, right? So when we were thinking about the business and we were running into all these obstacles, I was like, look, for us to penetrate this market, we have to do something different that hasn't been done specifically uh, with what we want to do before. So instead of competing against a saturated market, even though I love the craft beer industry, I think everyone works very well together. At some point you are competing on some level, right? You're sharing the same customer pool. So instead of us working against breweries, we decided how about we create a platform where we can actually partner with a saturated market. And once we thought about that, we, it just blew our mind. We're like, look at all these brewery partners we could have. There's thousands of breweries in the U.S. now. So that kind of is what hit us. And then we didn't want to have to worry about, you know, any major legal costs of figuring that stuff out. So that's why we threw the actual alcohol piece out and tying it all together with me already subscribing to a subscription box. I was like, wait a second, there's a thing here. How about we do this? And then (laughs) we started down the path of falling on our face, making mistakes, but through sheer perseverance and determination, we were able to still be in business three and a half, four years later. I love it. I love it. I love your, your, um, well, which branch of the military were you in? Uh, Army. Okay. Okay. So that's where that comes from. You're just not going to stop until the mission is complete. (laughs) That's it. Don't know how. (laughs) I, I love that. But let's talk about the execution. Now, I don't want you to give away all of your, your business secrets here, but h- how do you just go from it being an idea in your brain to actually pulling together, like, did you have to pulling, t- okay, let me rephrase. How do you take it from this brilliant idea in your brain to, okay, the logo and then the graphic design of the box and then right. what are we going to put in the box and then how to how do we um, make sure that the glassware is safe and it doesn't break when it ships like and then how do we find the customers like can you walk me a little <laughs> bit through the execution absolutely so none of this was a okay we're doing this and we had the answers right it was just from doing and that's why I'm a big fan of getting out in the real world you'll learn more from starting your own business that you will from any business school that you can ever go to um <laughs> you would fit a master's degree in one year time uh, <laughs> yeah. with, without a doubt um so basically how everything started was 
just going to Barnes and Nobles, right? Like just figuring out what you can do without spending money. And that's why I learned early on. We spent like $200 on super nice business cards. And then I, at the time I was a branch manager for a financial institution. And I was talking to one of our business clients. He said, Dennis, why the hell would you do that? He was like, there's so much other stuff for you to reinvest that money in. Don't ever in your life spend $200 on like a hundred business cards again. And then that hit me. I'm like, oh, what does this guy know? And then I was like, well, he, like it, you know, I was his, I was a branch manager at the bank. So, I mean, I saw his deposits. I was like, yeah, he's pretty successful. I need to really take what he's saying. So at that point, we just started going to Barnes and Nobles, researching everything, spending $2 on a coffee, which I don't know if you guys have Barnes and Nobles out that way. It's we do. Sweet. I didn't know if they closed down or not. They, they closed down a lot of them, but there yeah. are a few still left in California. Sweet. So if you guys are listening to this and you have a business idea, you do whatever you can to figure it out without spending a dime. There's absolutely no reason to spend money. Go there you know, bring your own coffee or spend $2 for a coffee and read and research. And after, you know, a couple months of just doing that, because I equate it to going to the gym. Once when you start going to the gym, yeah, it's going to be tough for you to keep that pattern to keep going. But once when you have a rhythm down, you, your body craves it. And it's the same thing with working on your dream. Absolutely. Um, so I was doing it one day a week and then one day turned to two days, two turned to three. Before I knew it, I was working on it six or seven days a week. Um, and I felt like a bag of smashed assholes if I didn't, you know, go and work on the business. That's an army term, <laughs> you know. Um, so we did that. And then, you know, a couple you know, about a year and a half goes by. Everything's going, you know, pretty good, slowly building up subscribers. And then, you know, because our logo and everything are so this is important to notate. So we rebranded uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, initially, my wife, she's super, she's so creative. She made our logo from scratch. We have no experience doing this stuff. She drew it all up, colored it in, eight different colors, like which is insane from a marketing and merchandising standpoint. That is going to be so much print cost right <laughs> oh, there. So much. It was insane. We didn't know any better, right? So these are part of the things where we just fell on our face initially. And then since I also manage a Best Buy, you know, for six or seven years, I had a lot of lifelong friends that are like me, nerds, and they're graphic designers and, and freelancers. I was like, hey, so we have this thing that we're doing. We have it drawn on a piece of paper. Can you make this something that we can turn into something? Yeah, sure. Hey, Dennis, this is eight different colors. Are you sure about this? Yeah, why not? We don't know any better. <laughs> so we did all that. And a year and a half goes by, just heart and hustle every single day, researching stuff, implementing things. And then I was invited down. They were shooting a local TV show for craft beer enthusiasts here in Pittsburgh. And they're like, Dennis, you're loud. You have a personality. Won't you come on down and be someone in the background? I'm like, ah, I got some stuff going on. They're like free beer. I'm like, I'm already on my way. <laughs> So, so we, I went down there, did that. I was an extra in the background, just cheering, drinking, having a good time. And then I met a gentleman that actually runs a online uh, craft beer magazine company. And he was like, Dennis, you're pretty cool. We're actually merging with this uh, media company and we're going to be called Blank Studios. I don't know if they released all that information yet. Um, and we're putting together a craft beer uh, studio company. Can you be our use case? I was like, 
how much does that cost? They're like 95% off. I'm like, let's do this. <laughs> and then, so we actually, for the first time had professionals looking at our stuff going, you know, this logo has eight different colors, right? Yeah. <laughs> and how many, <laughs> wait, how many people in your life mentioned that to you before you actually listened? Oh, well, a bit. A few, <laughs> right? None that had like the credibility of these folks. Like they're, they're, they, they were at their the top. studio. And then we're like, oh, all those people were right. But as business owners, you hate to admit that you're wrong, right? And this is something I learned over the years. Like I'll say I'm wrong like every time, every hour of the day. But traditionally, you hate to admit that you're wrong because that means you're doing something incorrectly. And we're and it's our baby. A parent doesn't want to say that they're raising their kids wrong, even though they might be. Right. <laughs> so then they went ahead, rebranded with a new logo, Pittsburgh feel. Um, in the logo, it actually says your beer gear is here, right? And that was important to us because we're still cool. trying to get that message across that we're not sending you beer. You can go down to Joe's six pack shop or go and support your local brewery and get the beer, but get cool, unique glassware and t-shirts that you could just wear every single day. You know, so we did that. We finally had some real professional help. We got every new business cards, logo, brew box design, it was like a six or seventh month implementation phase where we worked with them to get all that stuff done. Um, so we, we were like, and they did our whole new website of design and iteration and design and iteration. And so that was really cool. Um, but after the site was up for about a year, we started seeing just like with what you said, like it's still, we're relying too much on text to kind of explain things and people don't do anything off of text. They want to, they want a picture. They want to see I want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then now at this point you go back and you're like, Hey, can we do this? So like, sure. $1,500. And we're like, Oh no. <laughs> so you have to get super creative. And that's why we created that heart and first hit heart and hustle and everything hoppy group. Um, because we help people avoid what we ran into, but that's also how I learn is through teaching and explaining, uh, things over and over and over again. Um, there's just so much that we learn from, you know, SEO, search engine optimization that people don't know. And especially in the craft beer industry. I mean, yeah, you've got some folks coming from, you know, accounting backgrounds. They have that. Most of them are engineers, which is really cool. They need that for their business. But for the business side, I'm finding out more and more of these small business partners that we work with and the breweries. They, they, they don't know this stuff. It, you know, so for example, I was working with a brewery. I'm like, he's like, Dennis, we're just having, you know, we're, we're, we're making it right. Like we're paying all of our bills, but we're not getting any like thing additional to take home to justify all the time that we're putting in. Um, and then look at, you know, companies like green flash and, and folks that expanded really quickly. And what happens? You, you, if you don't do it correctly, you end up scaling back down and, and your business takes a step back. So I was talking with him. I was like, so if you already know that that's a pitfall that you can run into, you have to think differently. What can you scale in your business that isn't going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. So now we're acting as consultants for these breweries to help refine that process. And, and the answer there for his specific business was merch. I was like, where I go on your website, how do I buy merch? He's like, oh, you can't, you buy at the tap room. I was like, how, how much easier is it to send out a thousand t-shirts 
with that revenue than sending out another thousand four packs. He was like, yeah, we can't even do a thousand four packs. Right? I was like, my point exactly. So now we're working with our business partners in the showcase that it's a relationship. When folks partner with us, I want to see them grow. Our big uh, motto that we stand behind every day is the best friend of a small business is another small business. When they grow, we grow. And we live that every single day by actually helping our business partners grow. I don't know I if I answered that. everything. I just oh, no, you definitely did, did. No, no, that was that was that was more than I asked for. That was beautiful. That was absolutely beautiful. So I, I have a little bit of uh, I want to I want to throw a few things back at you. I love the fact that you mentioned admitting when you're wrong. And even sometimes it's not so much that you're wrong. It's just that, you know, there's something that my grandma used to say, you can't, you don't know what you don't know. And many people who are artistic or they have that entrepreneurial spirit, they're just full steam ahead, but they're not looking to the right and left. They're not looking above and below. They just see their goal and they go for it by whatever means their mind, their character, and their life experience will limit them to, okay? So point example, me being myself, if you don't mind me talking about myself for a minute. do it. I'm a chef. I cook. I have burns all over my body. (laughs) I have cuts here and there. And then I decided, okay, I'm so cute and I'm so charming that now it's time for me to get in front of the camera. Now it's time for me to show the world who I am and my love and I decided to create this podcast because I thought that my passion for craft beer was the right vessel for me to carry who I am into the world. So here I am trying to go from being a chef and a, and by the way also a tomboy to <laughs> to being like this hot beautiful craft beer vixen, okay? Now I'm trying to be an entertainer or an influencer. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. (laughs) I didn't know anything about SEO. I didn't know anything about, I didn't know about hashtags till like six months ago. My daughter, she's 16. She could have told me about this stuff, but I never thought to ask her. I don't know if you listen to, or if you, you know, if you have the chance to go back and listen to the last episode that I did in season one, which was called the sneak peek. And what Mm. I did was that I, I reached out to hundreds and hundreds of pe- of my connections on LinkedIn. I asked them to listen to the show. I took the consensus of their feedback and there were some very specific important things that I wasn't seeing about myself. They were able to hold up a very professional critique mirror reflection for me to look into and say, "You know what? This could be better." Like I mentioned the reason we're not doing a video I mean, you, your, your background looks great. I look like shit right now. I don't want, you know, this one guy, he said, you know, you can improve your appearance. And he wasn't telling me that I was ugly. He was just saying for camera, for videos, if you want to make videos to promote this podcast, you got, you have to have a look, you have to have a t-shirt, you have to have a hat, you know, you have to have your face put together as a woman, you know, you need to, you need to, Fix yourself up, essentially, right. is what he was saying. And you know what? I didn't, it didn't hurt my feelings because I'm a tomboy. I don't wear makeup. But I had to. And I'm already seeing a much greater response to my podcast in season two now that I'm recording 
in a way that makes me look better. Even my background where I'm recording, I'm literally recording in the corner of my room. And one guy was like, you know what, you should put something there because it's all blank and it doesn't, it doesn't like attract the eye and like people don't know what you're talking about. You know, if somebody's watching your video with the sound off, like let's say they're at work or whatever and they're just reading it, subtitles or whatever from YouTube, they're not gonna know what you do. And you know right. what, he's absolutely right. When I first started podcasting, I was going to a podcast workshop for a really long time. And I, I let my instructors listen to my first recording, which was just like a little 60 second commercial or 90 second commercial. And he said, everything is great about you except your audio. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? Everything's great about me except my audio. He's like, no, there's something wrong with the way your audio sounds. It sounds warm. It sounds fuzzy. But me being a chef, I don't know what good quality audio sounds right. like. But within, within months of me pounding the pavement and really studying and listening to the input of others, I realized, you know what? Your, my audio was bad. And he gave me this very microphone that I'm using now, which oh, has wow. great audio quality. And ever since then, I've been coaching other people to start their podcasts and I give them feedback about their audio. Ex so I could be an audio engineer right there now if go. I wanted to. If Get this podcast girl. thing doesn't work out, I'm going to produce other people's podcasts. So there is, there's nothing wrong with accepting criticism. Iron sharpens iron. Now, I'm not saying you need to listen to everybody who gives you feedback because there are going to be some haters. But if you are listening to people who do what you want to do professionally and they've right. done it years longer than you have, maybe you need to put your ego to the side and listen. There was another thing you said about relationship growth, and this leads me into the next thing that I wanted to ask you. I've noticed on your gram, you have built some very cool relationships, one of which being the godfather of craft beer, Mr. Garrett Oliver. Could you tell me about meeting him? So once when Fresh Fest, which if you guys don't know what Fresh Fest is, it was the first ever um, black beer uh, festival in the United States um, that focused on the lack of diversity and inclusion in the craft beer market. And they take minority-owned businesses and partner them up with local breweries to do their own beer collaborations. And they have uh, brewery, you know, minority-owned breweries come in from all over the country to do this beautiful beer fest. It's super cool. The first year it started, we were collaborators where we worked with a local brewery that we fell in love with. The wife and I actually had our wedding reception there. That's how much we fell in love with that brewery, which is super cool. Um, <laughs> so we made a beer with them, got a little commercial brewing experience absolutely loved it so when the second year came back around uh, we actually featured them in a super exclusive brew box where you can get all kinds of cool stuff from fresh fest in there and we partnered them up with a local barbecue sauce company to make a unique barbecue sauce out of beer which was really nice was and the, hold on was that the uncle sammy the, oh, Uncle Jammies. Uncle Jammies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I saw that on your, on your gram. Yeah. He's a wonderful man. 412 Barbecue, he runs. And so then after we featured them for the whole month prior to Fresh Fest, we were beat. We were doing event after event, talk, spreading the gospel of Fresh Fest. And the wife and I, we were like, 
you just want to enjoy this festival now. We don't want to be set up. And it was the best move we could have made. So we were able to get some VIP tickets. Uh, Day and Ed, they do the Drinking Partners podcast. So they did a live podcast with Garrett Oliver as their um, as their guest. And they had all of us in the background. They were passing around some of uh, this Belgian-style saisons that Garrett Oliver brewed. 10% brews just being passed around in bomber bottles, like flooding the crowd. We were like, I can get used to this life. <laughs> so we're having fun just being immersed in this experience. And afterwards, Garrett is so approachable went up to him, talked to him about our business. Um, he thought it was a really good idea. And so we kind of, you know, left it at that, took some photos together. It was super neat. And then that brings us to this month where I started having, well, I've been having this idea for about the last six months, right? So I got tired of reaching out to media source outlets saying, hey, we do this thing and it's cool. And of course you think your thing's cool. And then all these media sources were like, yeah, maybe next time we'll do something on you. I was like, all right, so I got to change this whole conversation. How about I create things that are what I call storyable? to make media source outlets come to me. I just let them know about it and, and create these scenarios where they want to write about us, right? So this month we partnered with Kennywood Amusement Park, which they are Pittsburgh's iconic amusement park. They've been around for over a hundred years. I mean, growing up, uh, you know, one of the last days of school was called Kennywood Day and you would have to buy an outfit just to go to Kennywood. You couldn't just go there with your regular clothes. So it, it, it was a thing. It's nostalgic. And they just retired a ride that has been there for 40, 50 years, like more than all my life. And so I was like, you know what? Let me just approach them. Let me see if I could put together a beer collaboration with them. And thinking that, you know, the outside looking in, a lot of people have told us you guys conduct yourself very professionally. We think you have a whole production team for all the content and everything that you put out. And when you peel back the curtain, it's just me and my wife hustling every single day, learning, refining our skill set. And so I approached Kennywood thinking they might say, oh, next year, send us a proposal, you know, that kind of stuff. And what they said was, yes. We are very interested. We've been wanting to do this for a very long time. They've, we put together their first beer collaboration with a local brewery. They've never done it before. Um, and the point that I'm getting to lead back into Garrett Oliver, so we were trying to do this really creative beer. I was like, let's, we can't mess this up, right? Because this is the first big beer collaboration we've put together, and we're just coming out the fences with some heavy hitters. So I reached out to Garrett Oliver on uh, Twitter, just tagged him. And I was like, hey, Garrett, if you can please, you know, shoot me an email. I'm going to run some recipe designs uh, past you thinking he's so busy, but you know, we fell in love with who his, who his persona is at Fresh Fest. And he next morning, 8 a.m., got an email from Garrett Oliver. <laughs> He's like, hey, Dennis, I remember meeting you at Fresh Fest. What's going on, man? How can I help? And we just exchanged ideas. And he so called, I, I learned the history of spruce and what hemisphere to get it in for what time of year. And he was just such, such a good, loving guy. And these are the relationships that are more important than closing any deal that you can build for your business. Wow. <laughs> that is so, that's so intense. Like it gave me goosebumps. You're, you're maybe the 
the fourth or fifth person that I've interviewed on my podcast that like knows him or who has met him and speaks very highly of him. So it's only a matter of time before I get to meet him in person yes. one day. I feel like that six degrees of separation is like, oh, it's right there for me. <laughs> um, I love what you said about being storyable. Right. And I feel like we're kindred spirits in that because that's what I'm trying to do with my podcast. What I've noticed with a lot of the beer podcasts is that they might do one interview with one person. They'll post one link, one picture, and then they move right on to the next. What I'm trying to do with my podcast is, is tell the story of the brewers themselves or tell the stories of the brewery itself and and get to not just the the business side but the human side so for example i have uh one guest who has been my favorite bartender for years i interviewed him for an episode called selling craft beer for the sports bar and then several months later he threw an event at the bar and it was like basically like a metal show so I go to the metal show, and this gets back to Garrett Oliver, too. I go to the metal, metal show. He has a sales rep from 21st Amendment Brewery there. I meet her. I interview her. So I'm, 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 I'm telling – his name is Jim Murray. So I'm showing who Jim is as a bartender, and then I'm showing who Jim is as an event planner. And then now uh, we're, I'm setting up another interview with Jim. He now has a new girlfriend. They're going to come over and we're going to do a chocolate and beer pairing. So I get Ooh. to show who Jim is as someone who's teachable and someone who's just human and cool and a good friend and someone I could kick back with. Same thing with Drake's. I interviewed their master brewer, their head brewer uh, for one of my first episodes last year. But if you, if you look at any of my social media, I'm constantly reposting things that they do. I'm constantly wow. trying to tell the story of this, of this brewery that is growing and expanding and is that very, um, very specifically important to Northern California and like they're all over here. So I don't right. want to just show one side of a brewery or one side of a brewer. I want to show who they are as human beings, who they are as professionals, who they are as um, entrepreneurs, and then the product itself and what stories that tell. You know, why are some of the beers named what they are named? There's, that's like, that's like huge amongst, <laughs> and I don't think people, I don't think consumers always understand how much thought and time goes into some of these brew names like there's right. some crazy there's some crazy ones out there right um so yeah i love the idea of being storyable because you're giving your audience a full 360 degree view not just a one one note view right of I agree whatever companies you're talking about and i love also that you want to make your partnerships grow because it's one thing to say okay send me your beer chapstick but it's another thing to say, okay, what's your engagement look like? Right. Let me give you some tips. What's your, are you hashtagging enough? Let me give you some ideas. Who else is in your area that you could talk to and maybe do some projects with? Let me introduce you to this other person that I know that's in your city. Maybe you guys could be friends, you know? I love that. 
Absolutely, because it's more than just, I, and I don't want transactional relationships. I would actually turn those down. So if I don't feel that buy-in and what we do um, from any of our partners, uh, that's not a relationship I want to pursue because I want this to be something that we can keep doing year after year, month after month. You feel that, hey, Dennis, uh, you know, we, we did this new pint glass design and it's not getting any traction. Can you let us know? Oh, you're using eight colors. <laughs> you're just, just using our experience of what, what we ran into. Hey, iron sharpens iron. That's it. I love it. I love it. I'm incredibly, like I have goosebumps and you've given me so much to think about. Anything else people need to know about the boxes? I would say the biggest thing to take away, uh, we ship, we're willing to ship anywhere in the world. We'll figure it out. We'll send stuff out anywhere in the world. We already have customers in five different countries. Um, we do have that pet brew box that's out there. So whether you have two legs or four, we have something for you. Um, and we do have a B2B, a business to business segment of our platform where we do corporate gifting. Um, so we've actually landed a couple real estate companies that, you know, I had that conversation with them. How do you reward your clients? And they said, well, you know, we'll go buy a bottle of wine. Then a couple of days later, we'll get cheeses. We'll put it in a basket, make it look nice and drop it off. I'm like, so how long does that take you? Oh, about a week. I'm like, how about we automate that process? We do really unique themed brew boxes. And as soon as they buy a house from you, you shoot us an email. We shoot you an invoice. We'll send it straight out to that client within 24 hours. So, and they were like, wait, that's a thing. So now we're starting to expand into that. So if you own a small business or any business, it's cheap. It's less expensive to retain clients than it is to acquire new ones. And Brewbox, we can do Brewbox for your business. Now that is gold. That is absolute <laughs> gold. And that goes for any industry. Right. Less, let me repeat that. Less expensive to retain clients than yes. to acquire new ones. Cl yes. Customer acquisition is, they talk about it on, Shark Tank, I mean, yep. it's a big, big deal, and it chews up a lot of money out of inexperienced entrepreneurs, so I'm glad you brought that up. And I, I just want to say one thing on that. Just, um, just think, and this, this is what hit me that changed the way that we appreciate all of our subscribers. What if you never lost a customer? Where would your business be? Once when I heard that, I was like, oh my goodness. We'd be making 500K a year if we never... Like if, if everyone that we've ever had, obviously you're going to have some that step off, but if the majority of customers that ever subscribed with us stayed on our platform, we would have already achieved our dreams. So just think about that. Everyone out there has a business. Beautiful, beautiful information. I finally thought of that company that you should partner with Ooh, yeah. uh, for the pet food. It's Chewy.com. Oh so, yeah, Chewy. So, yeah, so you're going to have to reach out to them at some point. And then lastly, how can customers subscribe? Absolutely. So you can jump right on firstsipbrewbox.com. You could also check out any of our social media. We link it all back to firstsipbrewbox.com. And I highly encourage you guys to go on Instagram because then you could see more of the products on Instagram than you can on the website. So that's, how, that's what got me interested. Um, I love it. I love it. So I like to close the interviews with my rapid fire questions and they're just yes. fun, silly questions that we can get to know you a little bit better. I love with. it. Okay. So here we go. Who is your favorite Batman? Ooh, I would say the original Adam West. Okay. Would be my favorite. 
I'm old. I, I like things old school. My pop culture references actually stopped at 2001. So whenever I make references to something, everyone looks at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, you know, gyro 50 cent level petty. They're like, that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> You're an old soul. That's it. <laughs> and even, even your logo, it kind of looks like an old school postage stamp or something. Right. Like it's very cool. Next question. Top three favorite beer styles for to drink. Hmm. I would say number one is porters. I absolutely love porters. We, the wife and I, we actually love them so much. We got a beagle uh, puppy and we named her Porter. <laughs> so Porter would definitely be number one. Then I would say pale ales and then Saison's. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. I mean, I enjoy Star Trek, but I just fell in love with Star Wars uh, more. What is your hidden talent? Hmm. Well, I don't know if I really have too many talents. <laughs> I would say my hidden talent is how easy it is for me to change light bulbs because I'm six foot five and I got long, lanky arms. Super easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> so where, and where everyone else needs like a step stool, yeah. you just reach up and bam, yep. it's done. Just change, and it's funny, in the kitchen, I actually, for more cabinet space, I put things on top of the cabinets. And the wife is like, seriously? I was like, hey, I just like to feel wanted sometimes. So let me know if you need anything <laughs> down. <laughs> My uh, my boss is like six four. Sometimes he'll do things like that too. I think he just he doesn't want me doing all the work by myself. He's so, he's so sweet. Chrome, copper, or stainless steel? Ooh, for like appliances or for just anything? Like, just ooh, just, just throw it out. Position. I would say stainless steel. It's more durable. I would think. Very nice. I, yeah, so Very if we nice. had to make any medieval weaponry, now I'm stainless <laughs> steel or some type of steel. <laughs> right on, right on. All right, well, thank you so much, Dennis. I hope that we can do more together. I'm excited. I, I fully support you and I get behind you. I would like to maybe meet your wife one day and if she yeah. would ever like to do the podcast from um, her perspective, it would cool. be cool to hear her side of the story um, <laughs> and, and the things that she's contributed to the business and, and get, you know, get that, that female professional power input. Like I'd love to hear from her too. Right. She's super confident. She's actually um, a family therapist and a basketball coach, basketball player all through college. Uh, but she hates being in front of the camera. Oh, <laughs> so, we'll, just, we'll just do audio. It's fine. Oh, I think that too. But I will bring it up to her um, because there's a lot to learn, especially running a business with your significant other. Sometimes it's very tough to separate the two, but you need to, to maintain a healthy relationship. She could give me some input on the therapy side of right. whatever it takes to keep the business going and keep the marriage together because there are a lot of uh, husband wife entrepreneurs out there and I think that might be something worth talking about. Yeah, 110% correct. Uh, with that being said, I did want to just give her a shout out. Like truly, uh, we wouldn't have a business if it wasn't for her. I'm the visionary. Like I, I end up trying to do so many things at one time. She really helps narrow my focus. And without her, I probably would have died of scurvy a long time ago because she's the one with the health insurance for the business. <laughs> <laughs> the bubonic plague became relevant again. <laughs> So I've heard. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Dennis. You're welcome.
And that concludes this week's episode of Beer Talk Radio. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment and rate on iTunes, and that will help other people find the podcast. If you are interested in receiving one of my street team swag bags, please visit my website, www.beertalkradio.net. Enter your rapid fire questions and your name into the subscribe area, and I will send you one. If you're interested in being on the show, I'd be happy to put a clip of your voice and your commentary in the following episode by leaving a voicemail. The link to the voicemail is in the show notes. And if you have any questions for me or past guests, I'd be happy to get those answered for you. Send me an email at Jenny at Thanks for drinking with me and have a good one.